My man, Chad, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Been a pleasure. You, it's funny that, um, it's funny that it, it, it's been a while since we first touched base about a podcast now. And, and, and the first time we didn't even meet, the first time I even knew who you were is at a Jordan Syatt in New York City. He was doing a little seminar with, um, Joe DeFranco. DeFranco. And I you were rec- there, yeah. Yeah, I recognized you. Okay. I, I had just gotten into the online scene or whatever, and I was like, I think I know that guy. I think I follow that guy on Instagram. Uh, yeah, and so yeah. good to connect now, but I just, I, I recall that day, and I told my my fiance, then girlfriend, and I just, I remember saying it to her, and she was like, oh, who you podcasted today? I was like, you know, we went to that thing with Jordan Side, DeFranco, whatever. I don't even remember what the hell they talked about, whatever. Um, but whatever, that's like a, it's a full circle moment for sure. And I, before I ask, I want to get you to get, just give a little intro and tell us all what you're up to. Cause I know you've been uh, traveling quite a bit. Is that, um, I think I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll give your intro right now is I think that yeah. as coaches, like the best thing we can hear is that when we make content, like the best con the best comment I can ever get is, Oh my God, you're in my head. Right. Or like, wow, you're in my head. And, totally. I, and I, and I, and it's something that, that I like when I get that, because you know, it's not that I like that. Like I'm trying to be in people's head, but with you and your content, like, I think it is very obvious that it's just a lot of repurposed content that you have of, of conversations that you have with clients. What I'm trying to say, it's very clear that if you follow you and you listen to your, whatever content that you put out, it's very clear that you work with people and that this yes. is not like theory this is practice and so i just wanted to say that that that's something i've observed from your content since i started following you and, and i really appreciate that that's beautiful yeah there isn't too much client research going on on my end it's or uh, sorry content research going on on my end it's usually straight out of the conversation so yeah. it's cool you say that yeah cool give 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 people background of just who you are what, what, you know how you got how you got the classic how you got into the space but also what you're doing now because i know you're in you're in south america somewhere yeah yeah, let's start off. I mean, um, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and uh, I've been at it for about six years. Um, the, the short spiel on how I got into it, I mean, I got into the gym and nutrition and dieting and weight loss uh, around 14, 15 years old, the way a lot of us do around high school time. And I, the way I explain it is I, I found every way to screw it up um, for about 10 years before figuring it out. I found the right people online. I uh, educated myself a little bit more and, you know, it's just sort of broke into uh, the content space online. And uh, like you said before, I, you know, I just basically wrote about my struggles and they they happen to be the struggles that a lot of people have. And uh, there was some relatability there. And, um, you know, I don't really see too many situations anymore from clients that, uh, that I haven't seen, you know, in my own life, but um, uh, that t- tends to help me out on the coaching side of things. These days, um, I've been traveling around. I was in uh, Mendoza, Argentina, which is you know Napa Valley of, uh, of of Argentina. I was there for a wedding for some old high school friends, and um, and uh, I kind of balked at the price of the the, the trip home. Uh, it was about like twelve hundred dollars to get home. It was about six hundred dollars to get there. So I said, "Screw it! I'll just you know wait it out." And then uh, I got to Buenos Aires after Mendoza for about. I was, I think within about a day, I decided that I would stay uh, for about a month. And then about a week later, I said, why do I only have to stay a month? And I, here we are about, uh, what are we? Nearing two months. So the plan is to go home. I have a bachelor party in Vegas uh, in late June. We'll see if I can handle it. I'm not, I'm in Medellin right now. I'm in Colombia, which is uh, 
uh, I'm not as stoked as to be here as I was in Buenos Aires, but uh, we got to let it play out, play out a little bit. I was just in Cartagena for a friend's bachelor party, and uh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful is definitely the word. What is it about Medellin that that isn't striking you as a place you'd you'd stay compared to Buenos Aires? You know, I, it's it's less about like I haven't had a I haven't had enough time to let it like to get a good taste of here. The I have a big Colombian big Colombian listenership, so you're gonna get a lot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm watch your tone. No, I'm kidding. I was, I was I was I was worried about uh, I was worried about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but uh, it's it's less about what it's like here and more about how much I liked uh, I liked it in Argentina, Buenos Aires. I was I went through Patagonia. Um, Buenos Aires is probably the nicest big city I've ever been to. Um, High like, grades. Like the oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh manners is uh is the one like the the biggest praise i'd give them is just the amount that they are so kind and 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 their manners are so good and every interaction i had had a language barrier obviously like there isn't much english there not english not much english here but uh always really happy to help they always went out of their way it was it was i was never a bother um whereas here uh uh, not to put columbia down you know for the listeners but uh um, it feels a little bit more like home. <laughs> That's well said. <laughs> Where, yeah, you know, from a big city back home, everyone, yeah, everyone's in a rush. So here, I'm, I'm, I'm less of a novelty here. Yeah, I uh, after yeah. leaving Cartagena like, a couple weeks later, I went to Mexico City for some time with right. friends, and I don't know if you've been or spent any time there. And I, I felt a similar contrast, and and maybe it was the context of the trips where like, Cartagena was like bachelor party, and this was a bit different trip in Mexico City, but I left Cartagena feeling like, okay, this was beautiful, beautiful place to vacation. We had a great time, but coming back from Mexico City, I like felt very strongly. Maybe it was just, again, the context of the trip, but I felt very strongly. I was like, I could totally live there. Like I could have, I, I, I want to go with like a romantic fell in love comment, but it was awesome. And I was like, yeah, I totally underrated it and felt a stark difference there. Um, so sorry, Colombia's getting getting wrecked right now, right now on the podcast. But but that's just I know what you mean. Where like when I left Mexico City, I was like, oh, this was like I could have I could have stayed. I I mean I had some of those like fleeting thoughts of like quality quality of life. It looked high, and I'm sure it, God, I'm sure it depends on where you are and all that stuff. But, oh, totally, um, totally. But yeah, no, no, I, I, I get what you it's, mean. It, it, it's uh, yeah, this is it's less about Colombia and more about how much I how yeah. much praise I have. Did you spend for, time in, uh, in Patagonia? That is like a that's like a for me like we try and do like a big hiking trip. My my guy friends and I. Oh yeah, uh, and so Patagonia has been on like the wish list for a while. You, you, uh, it's it's I mean most people in Argentina don't even get down there. Um, so it, it's it's a ways. Uh, I had yeah. a girl that I was dating while I was there, and uh, I just said like I'm, I might not be down here again, Never, so yeah. I got to do it. And we just kind of booked a. Uh, I was down there for a week, so through El Chalten and El Calafate, which are kind of two main hubs in Patagonia, and then I spent uh, three weeks in Barilache alone, which is depends on who you talk to. Is you know not Patagonia, but some it's kind of like the doorway into Patagonia. Cool, yeah, fantastic, yeah. definitely, definitely a special place, definitely, a, definitely on the definitely. on the old, on the old bucket list. Yeah. All right, so mm-hmm. let's pivot. We'll talk some fitness stuff here. I. I, the first time around we were making, we were going to have this podcast. I don't remember when it was, but it was a long time ago and we booked something. It was like a year. Yeah, yeah. We booked something and I made, I made notes for that day. Uh, and when I was like thinking about what we were going to talk about, I was like, let me just see what I was like planning on talking about then. 
Uh, yeah. And what I had done is I just wrote down a bunch of tweets that you had tweeted, and I thought I would just read them back to you, and that we would they, they would serve as a, a nice jumping off point. And I think and I think that they, and I think that they will. This isn't this isn't like a we're not canceling you. Yeah, we're not canceling you. You're gonna be yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The the first one I'll read, and we can just talk about kind of what what I mean, whatever you can if you can reference exactly the time in which you had this exact thought, or we can just have a general discussion. But um, the first tweet was. Please stop getting down on on the scale every day and hoping. Please stop getting on the scale every day and hoping it goes down. You'll be disappointed about fifty percent of the time. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that that's not. You don't need to. You know, that's not a that's not a riddle. Like that's a pretty straightforward tweet. But we could talk a little <laughs> bit about what you meant by that. I um. Well, I think that people. You know, I, I always tell people like don't get on the scale with 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 your fingers crossed. And I think that's what people do. I mean, I, I you know I've done the scale myself for many years, so I understand the psychology of what pe- how people jump onto it. And it's it's always like this like coin flip. Like, is it going to be lower today? Is it going to be lower today? And the truth is, is it's not going to be lower every day. It's just like we just know that it's it's not it's not, it's not going to go down a pound every day, and it's not going to go down point one pound every day. And if you're, if you have that hope, you know, the, and the big problem with that is if you hope it's going to go down because let's say you had a good few days or something, or you feel like you deserve it and you're right. What's the benefit of that? You, you're going to continue following your plan because you're now more motivated. And so you're just all the benefit you got from that was you're more motivated to follow a plan that you had already assumed you're going to follow the downside 50 ish percent of the time is it's not going to go down. And what's the downside of that? Especially if you think you deserved for it to go down. So now you're like, I'm due. It's going to go down. You get on it, it. It goes up. You feel like you've been, you know, screwed by the scale. You've now lost motivation because you had it in your head that it's supposed to go down because you deserve it, you know, and you deserve it eventually, but maybe not today. Um, and the downside of that is you're now less motivated to follow a plan you had assumed you would follow. So all that happens by this game that is totally irrelevant and useless. I mean, what the scale says tomorrow is irrelevant, but what it says next week and, and the weeks and the weeks following um, do matter. You've just kind of hinged your your adherence, which we both know is like the most important thing that people fail diets because they don't follow them, not because they're necessarily doing the wrong thing. Um, you've kind of hinged your, your adherence and your consistency and your motivation on something that doesn't, you know, something that doesn't actually matter. So we need to try and get away from that. I think that there's uh, things that I would reiterate about that. Number one is that that's not an exaggeration statistically. Like that's not a, like a, we're not 50%. I don't think is, is unrealistic. I think that that's true. I think if you follow, if you spend every single day, if you spend 100% of days in a deficit, it scale probably goes down about 50% of the days. And so that's 50% yeah. of the days you're pissed off, even with a hundred percent adherence. Um, yeah. And essentially what you said was what I think about this as well, is that like the amount of happiness you receive from it going down is a fraction of the amount of pissed off you feel when it is not down. And so that, yeah, when we, when we factor, we take that algorithm and apply it to a 50% of the time, it doesn't go down. You end up with a net, feeling of, you know, this is not working instead of, you know, and again, the, the answer to that is some combination of understanding this as a fact and just decrease or yeah. just shifting your expectations. Um, and, and also potentially in a change of strategy, which is like, I've incorporated sometimes the idea of like, 
acquiring the data daily, but not looking at it in some ways. So like using the Bluetooth capacity of the scale. And so it's been like an interesting yeah. thing of like, could you get on count to 10 and get off? So we get the data because the data could be helpful in the use of our like averages and stuff. But the the, yeah. the actual, what the, what the scale actually says on that day isn't changing what you're gonna then go do this day. And so no. the, the more you can derail or decrease the amount of potential hurdles and the more you'd be able to actually stick with something long enough to see if it works. And so, yeah, I agree with you on that one. What do, do you, um, what, do you, like you can get on the scale and not see the number? You could put a piece of tape over it. Yeah. So you put like a post-it okay. over it and you oh, just I do use like a Bluetooth and okay. use a Bluetooth yeah, yeah. And, it, and then once a week you'd load it up and it would give you, you know, in a perfect world, it'd be a setting that the scale had because like, like, and, and the thing is that there's, yeah. there's a psychological argument of like avoidance versus uh, exposure. Right. And so like, there's some, yeah. you know, do I want to completely avoid that? Do I want to do some exposure therapy? Like there's a, there's a benefit and time and place for both. I think, I think like just, yeah. just, just saying, Hey, the answer to this is just to not look at all. It's like, okay, that I, I think that in some context, that's a great idea. And I think in other contexts, like yeah. facing it and being like, yeah, like I should be able to look and also not get derailed is that also has merit. Yeah, I think um, if we know it's if if we know it's too far gone and the person needs off, that you take them off because at some point it becomes too much of a problem. But um, I mean, I, there's no way in hell I could ever agree with someone that says that the, that the fact you're scared of the scale is is a is an okay thing. Correct. I mean, that's we sh we shouldn't be afraid of our body weight. Yeah, yeah, we should we should just avoid that as a as a yeah. something that we're going to accept. Oh yeah, or you're going to be afraid of this forever. You know. Yeah. 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 All right, let's move on to the next one. I got how many do how many I wrote down dude I wrote down seven tweets you're fucked. Um, I used to tweet on. <laughs> uh, the second ones you know you know I haven't even read these literally until just now. Normally I had a call right up until we got on here and I normally like I, I'm I'm pretty diligent like I'll look it over I'll like make sure that I'm like as a host that I'm like ready. Yeah. This is this is Jordan one year ago with no proofreading yeah. at all today so we're we're hopping right in tweet number two. Okay, cool. Um, you know if you keep lifting weights when you aren't losing weight you are built uh, you're building muscle right. So, okay, yeah. let me just, let me, let me reread this like a non idiot here. You know, if you keep lifting weights, when you aren't losing weight, you're building muscle, right? And muscle is half of toning. Many of you quit while you're succeeding. You just use the wrong scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely did write that one. <laughs> I, uh, sounds like that me. is, that is just, it's just, a, it's a, it's another, yeah. I talk about the scale at time. I just actually, I think it's the. I think it's the most hidden reason why a lot of people fail weight loss is just not understanding what's going on with that thing. But what I mean by that is, I mean, whether people think they should be losing weight or not, if you're, let's, let's say you go three or four weeks and, and the scale doesn't actually go down. I mean, it means, means you're, it means you're eating a little bit more than you think you are, which means you're actually in a better spot to add muscle than you were when you were actually losing weight. So either way, you're progressing forward towards your goal because I don't know about you and, and being a hypertrophy coach, I mean, chances are you deal with mostly clients who don't think they have enough muscle. So, um, and even in a fat loss situation, like most of my clients are, most of them don't have enough muscle to look the way they want to once they lose their 10, 20, 30 pounds anyway. So it's, it's tough because they will, even if they've been told many times the scoreboard is the scale and their timeline is the scale. Um, this is just me trying to, trying to, you know, non-scale victories in, in a, in a really uh, indirect way. I mean, let's get stronger. I mean, you're not strong enough to look the way you want. So, and I, I tend to tell people their timeline should be more made. Like if you're not, 
if you're not able to do push-ups off the floor or, you know, a chin-up or something like that, you know, and, and, and if you are at a reasonable body weight or, you know, it's just all these strength standards we can have, you're, you're going to end up looking frail and skinny before you end up looking toned. So let's try and focus on the strength as well as the weight loss. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like weight training is the hedge. It's like, if, if you're trying to lose fat, but you're weight training the whole time and you fail at your goal of losing fat, what you've probably yeah. done is like, like it just makes, it makes the worst case scenario still a good outcome. I think weight training is just the hedge that it makes the, the, the floor of what could conceivably happen still a net benefit. And so like, yes. it's just so important. If you, if you have the worst fat loss phase and you gain weight, Sounds like a yeah. really great period of muscle building. You know what I mean? And so yes. yeah. it really just like decreases. It, it's such a reframe and especially even more like the tweet is in a particular context of like someone who's hopefully through acknowledgement with a coach, like acknowledge that they have two goals. They need both more muscle and yeah. less fat than they have right now. And so you, it yeah. is a two pronged approach and it is while they can be done at the same time, technically, um, you know, yeah. the, the, the idea that you would, you know, not be doing so great at one of them means you're probably doing great at the other one means at all times you can just, man, if we can just decrease the overall feeling of like consequences with this whole thing and decrease just like yes. people give it so much emotional power. And it's like, Hey, if we can reframe this, like, okay, we had this goal for the last four months, we were trying to lose weight, but yeah. maybe we haven't lost a lot of weight. Guess what you've done. You've done a great like quote recomp phase of like, you've built some, you know, if you're relatively new to training, that is a muscle building period of time. That is not like a yeah. net neutral. That is a great period of time. That was a goal that you also need to accomplish at some point. So we're still chipping away going forward. You know, well, you're providing a better foundation, add muscle tone later. Yeah. It's, um, and it's also just like, we need, we need as many benefits and things to focus on away from just weight loss for people, because that one's sometimes a little bit more confusing, a little bit more of a life change, but you know, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm a lot more excited to go into the gym when I'm just trying to do an extra rep compared to last week or an extra, you know, an extra five pounds. It's like, it makes it fun. I'm a, I was in, I was in my gym the other day. I got to change my program, which kind of screwed me up. And, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't sit there and like put out my numbers and, you know, oh, I did a little bit more than last week or whatever. It was kind of annoying, but we gotta, we gotta focus on more than just weight loss. What's the, what's the gym situation like down there? I didn't get a chance to explore a lot of gyms. Um, Columbia is pretty good, actually. There's uh, I've only been in one of them. There's a big uh, athletic gym. Um, it's it's less friendly than the one in Argentina, but um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but um, machines, free weights, and stuff. It's a little grungy, but like you know, I like that. Um, there's some nicer ones down the other way. I haven't been in those. The the gyms in Argentina were like dumbbells up to 40 max. Like I had to get a little bit more creative. Um, machines were like, you know, so, um, it's good, but like, you know, I go back to Toronto and I'm sure your yeah. situation in Austin, it's just like, we get whatever we want. No, there. For sure. So it's like, you get, yeah, you come across any, like, um, like I feel like when you're in places, whatever, just, just maybe, uh, places that are less up to the normal American modern standard of equipment that you run into the occasional like really great machine that just like has yeah. been thrown out 10 times is like full <laughs> yeah. of rust but it's still it's just like was made so long ago and and you're just like wow this hack squatter this leg press or this weird machine that i haven't yeah, seen yeah, have you, yeah, have you yeah, come yeah. up against any of that have you seen any of that I've, um, no, what I've, what I've mostly seen is like, like half broken machines. Oh, okay. So like, like, like a hamstring, <laughs> hammer strength, hammer strength row or something, but like only one side is like working. 
So yeah, it's been they really uh, emphasize unilateral training down there. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, Big on unilateral work. Yeah. I, I've I've had to with only 40 pound dumbbells. I've had to be high on the uh, on the Bulgarian split squats. How, what's your so okay? So I don't know if you do your own programming or what, but how have you managed that whilst? not only traveling, but being in a place that's got fucking uh, a language barrier and, you know, just like not as modern in the sense of like obsession with fitness, like our country, like how have you programmed for yourself? It's, um, well, it's been, it's been interesting. I mean, we can break into that. I've actually been, I've been, I've been doing like a, like a documenting my weight loss while I've been going through this, while I've been growing through here. On, on Instagram? So, yeah. Okay. So I've been taking daily pictures on my stories and showing people that. And after a, after a couple of months of uh, traveling where I wasn't really paying attention, you get a little flabby, but um, creates for a better story, I guess. But um, it, the programming has been, you know, I basically just take what I'm doing back home and, and um, whatever needs to change based on equipment needs, like, you know, lower, lower dumbbells or they don't have this machine. I just try and find a substitute, but it's been the, the hardest thing has just been, I just live like I live behind beside gyms back home. I mean, the farthest I have to walk to a gym is like eight minutes. You know, when I'm in Toronto here. When I was in Baralash, I had 45 minutes to walk to the gym, 45 and back. So I was getting my steps in. Um, it made weight loss a little bit easier, but um, the gym here is uh, what are we talking? I mean, 20 minute walk. It, it seems shorter every time I do it, so it's not too bad, but. Um, it's, it's been all right. I mean, at this point, when you have this kind of training knowledge, you kind of, you know, everything's the same. I mean, I like heavier weights. I like some machines. I don't like having to, you know, slow my tempos necessarily all the time or do pauses or, you know, can't do this. So I've got to do, you know, more lunges, but it's good for you. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good challenge for the, just like to fall back on the basic principles of hypertrophy of like, I only 40 pound dumbbells, which means, you know, more reps, a pause and a real reliance on like, Hey, if I go close to failure, like that's really what matters. And I probably wouldn't want to do that for long term, Like you said, I don't want to live in like the North of 20 rep range forever, but, um, yeah. but, and you know, fall back on movement patterns where you're like, mm, you know, I really had a, a chest supported row machine programmed here. And it's like, okay, like I can, like I can manage. And I think that that, that that's a fun problem to like that's a fun problem solving endeavor, but you know, yeah. I, I think for the long term, maybe, you know, you're like, Hey, uh, that's not something I want to do forever, but yeah. in the short term, it can be fun to, to modify. Well, I mean, I, I just think about, you know, when I have to do that for clients or something, I just go like, Oh, like, you know, it's okay. Like, we'll just find that switch. And I'm like, in my, in the back of my head, I'm like, I, I hope you like that. And then I'm over there just like crying like a baby. Like, oh, I hate this shit. I'm like, I know. You know, I have my preferences too. Yeah. People, people in my group sometimes will say like, uh, if they've maxed out, let's say they're at planet fitness maybe. And they've maxed out the dumbbells for RDLs. And I'm like, okay, it's just, yeah. you can do more reps. No problem. And I'm like, like it rolls off the tongue for me. Cause I know physiologically that makes sense, but like yeah. it blows. If you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm got to do like 15 plus rep RDL sets, which is just yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible. Yeah. Grip, so grip's done. Yeah. Cardio has yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What about nutrition out there? Have you, have you, ah, I mean, you're not, it's not like you're like fucking prepping for a bodybuilding show. We're not like trying, you're, you're not like out, you know, traveling South America, like trying to stick to the most optimal nutrition, but like, have you, what, how, what, what challenges have you faced? So in the months leading Argentina's up, so got in the, crazy steaks and stuff, right? I feel like they've just got well, like crazy meat, right? Yeah, don't get, don't, you know, that's the one, that's the one shot I'll take at Argentina. I heard there was the best meat in the world. And I, I don't know if I didn't get the best meat in the world. I don't know if I went to the wrong places, but what I will say it was the cheapest meat in the world. Um, so it was, you know, you can get a, oh God, I was, I, I was eating out for less than five bucks. I know you know, we, we, we felt that way in, in, in Colombia too. We went to like an Argentinian steakhouse and I was like, 
bro, we're getting yeah. a filet for like six bucks or something. Yeah. 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 So, um, Leading up, like now I'm paying more attention. I'm in kitchens. I'm actually like, I've got a food scale and stuff like that. So I practically, like I'm getting, I'm getting in front of the mirror for people every day. So I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm taking this pretty serious, but, um, the hardest thing was, uh, bread, bread at every dinner out. So, and I'm like, if you put me in a, like a, you know, lower calorie state around, you know, a couple of glasses of wine and then like bread that they just bring back to you every time you finish it it's it's an all-you-can-eat bread situation so um that led to a pretty uh pretty soft before picture that i put up there a couple weeks ago but other than that the language barrier is tough the in patagonia the the the, you know the vegetable situation in patagonia was basic and that's the kindest way i can put it um you know i was i was pretty much living off tomatoes and and trying to find spinach when it was there but that was basically it and let the you know the vegetables look pretty rough you weren't shit at all i get it no shits were had i guess i uh <laughs> no comments <laughs> so um but the nice thing about it was i you know i, I went into the what went into the grocery store every day and just felt like i wasn't paying anything for it so you know there was just this like you know total lack of stress from buying food that like you know i go back to Toronto right now, you're, you know, I don't even want to talk about what the, the, the grocery bills are back there right now. Um, but other than that, it's, it's been not so bad socially, so I don't have to worry too much about that. Um, I'm, I got to look for people right now. I've got a buddy that I got to meet up with, uh, this weekend, but it's not like I'm going out and or anything like that. So I'm pretty much, much in control of my food, but, um, the grocery stores here are quite good. Um, just, same thing as back home, you know, prices are probably about 50% off. Um, but, uh, you know, got a full kitchen here. I finally found my spatula. I found the, I found the utensils. Finally, I have to call my Airbnb host. Nice. So it's been, for, so here it's been pretty much, you know, business as usual as far as food goes. Cool. Cool. I definitely see that with, with people who travel and it's like, uh, again, in the exact same, it's analogous to what you would do with the training, you'd be like, hey, instead of like it being very specific, we're going to fall back on basic principles of like get a protein, get a veggie, you know, get yeah. an entire loaf of bread and, and just fucking crush it. And so, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely a similar oh, yeah. like fall back on basic principles when you're out of your like normal routine and shopping and your own gym and all that stuff. Yeah, totally. Yep. Totally. Cool. Let's move on to the next tweet. The next tweet is cool. unfortunate truth. You may need to spend one to two months learning how to create a deficit. Losing weight is simple, not easy. Yeah. Um, no one, no one wants to hear it. I mean, this falls in the foot. Like this is me kind of pushing back at that research that says, um, you know, it's good to get people some early wins on the, on the scale or lose weight early just because it helps motivation. And I, I don't know if I'm right to say this, although, I mean, I've seen a lot of people lose weight slowly, slow, slower than I want to, and no one ever complains. Um, and I think getting through that, you know, those periods where you aren't losing weight, figuring out how, or even just being patient enough to wait out the fact that maybe you did eat more on that long weekend, um, where you kind of forgot about, you know, just waiting long enough for the scale to go down and get pumped about the process again. Um, I think if your motivation hinges on early success, I mean, I, I, at some point that's going to be challenged and I don't think it bodes well for you, but, um, you know, uh, it's, I just think people need to take a problem solving approach to this whole thing that it's not just going to be this, you know, this, this free ride just cause you got a plan. Um, 
you know, you, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest problems out there is people, you know, worry so much about diet and workout solutions, which are important, but they don't know how to follow it. Um, and they, and they, they follow it when it's convenient. They follow like they, they follow it Monday to Thursday when they probably already ate well anyway. Um, but as soon as it gets inconvenient, um, they're, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're trying, they're paying attention, but they're also like not paying attention and trying, trying not to allow their usual life to feel inconvenience that's inconveniencing them while they're, while they're chasing this goal. And it's just me pointing to the fact that at some point, assuming you have more than five to 10 pounds to lose and assuming that, um, assuming you don't understand this process 100% you've done it before, like you're going back to a shape you've been in, um, you're going to run into life. You're going to run into your old habits. You're going to, you know, your friends are going to call you out, you know, and, and if you weren't prepared to kind of like deal with some negative emotions around that and problem solve or be patient, you're probably going to quit and go try and find something else and then run into the same damn obstacle every single time. Like you usually do, but because we don't slow down and see that we never actually see the problem. We just, you know, define it by I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not motivated. I'm bored. You know, all these things that actually truthfully mean nothing. I mean, they do mean something, but they, um, they don't, they don't actually find the problem that people are running into and they're just going to run into them again. Uh, And I don't want to be anti getting progress early categorically, but I, completely second that notion. I think if we look at the research that supports this idea that the people who uh, lost weight in the first four weeks ended up sustaining the intervention for longer, that's like essentially what you'll see in this paper. It's like, yeah, it's like a 16 week intervention. And it's like, all right, the people who lost quicker early, like did better across the 16 weeks. They felt more motivated, whatever, but it's just 16 weeks. Like that's like 16 weeks of people probably being highly motivated, know they're being studied, like know that they're going to like abstain when in the long term, maybe they wouldn't like, I'm not, I don't yeah. care about that. That's not that that lacks. I mean, it's, it's thought provoking and I, I don't think it's wholly inaccurate in all contexts, but it's, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't extrapolate. doesn't have as much external validity in terms of like, what about 16 it's, years into the future? To, like, you know, yeah. to me, to me, it, it confirms the bias that, that a lot of the fitness industry wants to hear in that let's justify the the fad diet or the crash diet or the low calorie diet that I push on clients or customers in order to create a four, eight week, 12, 16 week, um, testimonial, you know, Jane lost 12 pounds in, in, in eight weeks because we can continue to justify those, you know, those, uh, those approaches, which probably don't probably have some later fallouts. I agree with you totally. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. Look, look at some major successes in any field. And I'm sure those are actually defined by early struggles. <laughs> um, and I think that's the difference between, you know, following fad diets, which provide us a really simple understanding of how to start and get results. Uh, but total confusion once our life interacts with the fact that we actually do, you know, want to eat carbohydrates or after 6 PM, or, you know, we actually don't like eating under hundred grams of carbs every day. But if we, understand what the few things we have to do in order to lose weight, um, you know, just create a calorie deficit, however you want to do it, right? There's obviously more to it than that, but there aren't a lot of things we need to get right, which offers people so much flexibility in what they do. But finding out how you fit into that and how your life fits into that and how your psychology fits into that 
um, is probably not something you can figure out in one or two weeks. It's probably something that you're going to hit some roadblocks on, but if you're prepared for that and you know, that's coming, then, you know, it's much easier to, you know, sit through it for a bit and just realize that like, yeah, maybe you can't go out to eat three times a week and do whatever you want. And like, maybe we shave that down to two. And like, because the, the, the difference between losing weight and not losing weight is actually quite small. The reactions that people make when they don't lose weight are actually catastrophic and massive. Um, it's just, it's, it's akin to, you know, sprinting a marathon when you're halfway through. Yeah. And I think that the, if you, if you took the, if you took the ketogenic diet and the, and the several years, assuming we're on the, the tail end of the, that obsession, if you took out the physiology that is, you know, behind why you would lose so much weight so quickly because lacking yeah. carbohydrates, you know, depletes glycogen, you lose water. Like if you took out that, the keto, the keto diet would not have picked up any any steam at all. It only picks up steam because Karen loses 27 pounds in, in 13 days because half of that is water. And that is what has, you know, and, and then whatever. And then eventually Karen wants to eat a carbohydrate again. And then Karen feels like a failure. Yeah. And then Karen does it again because she's like, oh yeah, I lost 27 pounds in 13 days. Um, yeah. The irony of that, like early success, if you if you strip that off of the keto diet, you it probably doesn't pick up steam, you know? Well, it's, I think that defines why it's the most important, most popular diet yeah. because like that's, that's, that's the one where like, and we both know why that's the one where you are going to lose the most weight in the first five to seven days. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because in my, uh, in my first 12 days on this plan, I dropped 12 pounds. Um, I was bloated when I started and I, uh, when I got to Columbia, it was my birthday. And the only thing I, uh, just due to going through air, airports and flights that offered no meals, the only thing I consumed that day was a bottle of wine that was the Airbnb. So I had like 500 calories of wine that day. So no food in me for like 36 hours, basically. So I'm down like five pounds as of the last weigh-in. And I'm down 12 pounds in 12 days. And I go put the picture up. And that is, of course, the most liked picture that was there, even though I looked depleted and like I hadn't eaten in a couple of days, whereas now it's less interesting. So it's just like you just – it's – it's you're fighting a you're fighting a losing fight trying to beat the scale and how important that is for people but that's part of the problem i think there's a very practical thing that okay so if you're somebody who's out there and you're listening you're like i would like to lose some fat i'm hearing you know these guys talk about um maybe you know we're dancing around this idea that there's work to be done on the front end and during but there this idea yeah. that i need to rush into early progress as if that's some proxy or predictor of greater success later and so what i think not not the issue but an issue an issue might not even be the right word is this this idea of like hiring your coach and one, it, it works on both ends. It's the communication of the coach to client. I'm going to ask you a direct question about it in a second, but there's also an expectation from the from the client end of things who's like hiring the coach, thinking I'm hiring the coach to go through my cutting phase as if that is the thing you're hiring your coach for. And it's going to be 12 weeks. I'm going to do my cut with this coach and I'm going to invest a little bit of money. And I and I do I know that this bias, because this is what I do for a, for a living as well, but like stop hiring a coach just for your cut and stop like, I think just, I want mm -hmm. to reframe the money that you're spending on this stuff. Like we spend, I don't want, I'm not fine, assuming everyone's finances, but this is a real thing that you should take seriously, that you should, that you should at some point, if you want to, if you want to invest at all, invest, I just want to increase the seriousness with, with which you view this investment. And so I want to ask you, like, 
I have a I have my own rules with my own coaching in terms of like minimum time we're going to work together and and structure of what we will and won't do. Do you have any of like mm-hmm. hey minimum length of time coaching is this because I just don't have any interest in you being like yeah let's do let, let me hire you for eight weeks or is that something that you talk about on a call or how are you setting those expectations yeah. of like we're going to do the real work? Yeah, and I, I say four. I'm four months. I've always been four months, and and I'll tell them right away this isn't really because I think you're going to get there in four months. Um, I don't think I've ever had a client get there in their mind in four months. Um, because even if they did and it's substantial changes take typically six, eight, 12, six, eight, 10, 12 months. And the thing is, is especially with the people who I've worked with long-term, you know, you'll have every now and now you'll have a client who just like, they're kind of just yours for life. Um, in the situations where they've made their big change and then come out of it, the, the 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 hardest thing, especially with women, this is the mind fuck that they deal with a uh, big time. Um, that comes after the diet is in almost every situation. If you know you lose twenty five pounds and you get to where you want to go, you're not staying at twenty five pounds now. I mean, you could do your damnedest to stay. You are one fifty now. You're one twenty five. There is a very very real chance you're not going to feel your best at twenty five in terms of like living there, and. That again, if anyone's listening and so like so demoralized by that, the good news is in every situation where I've come off a diet where they, you know, the, di- the client gets as lean as they want and they look the way they want, they feel the way they want, they're in their clothes and all that type of stuff. Um, we, we might add three pounds, five pounds, seven pounds over the course of say two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, something like that. We always do a picture comparison. And the client, and and again, this is very important to understand because this is where the coach probably is most important. The client hates every second of it and they only hate it and they hate it until they see the picture. So until they see the proof that the weight coming on and their clothes feeling tighter, which again, clothes feeling tighter is not a bad thing. It's just, they've learned that it's a bad thing. Your clothes feeling a little bit tighter because you're just taking up a tiny bit more space. I mean, especially with women's clothes being a little bit tighter any pound that comes on, whether a good pound or a bad pound is going to be felt. So in every situation they have a, typically have a hard time with it. A very, you know, exception to the rule with a client just, you know, adds weight and they're just like, okay. Um, but then the tune shifts up about four months, five months, six months or something like that when they look exactly the same, but they do weigh five, six pounds more or something like that. And that's just because, yeah, like a bit of glycogen, a bit of water comes on, you know, in the short term. And then, you know, and then we, we, you know, over the course of time, I mean, a bit of muscle comes on, maybe a little bit of fat, but you don't see it. And in every situation also, the client also looks healthier. Um, so the skin, like there's just less of a, a you know, like the, the skin just looks healthier. There's like more nutrients in there, you know, it just makes sense. Um, so all these good things happen, no bad things happen to the way they look. Um, but in my opinion, as much as they needed help getting down to that, I would imagine that they probably needed more help with a reassurance. And I think reassurance is one of the biggest aspects of coaching, just making sure that they know, Hey, you're doing it right. Just a lot of people quit when they're actually progressing. Um, they, um, they needed it more coming out of the diet because as soon as that tight feeling comes on after the diet, as soon as the scale goes up, whether it's a weight fluctuation that they now have to almost, you know, recycle their psychology needs to wrap around that part again, but even if the scale continues to go up because that's where they feel better, um, they, this all feels like bad things are happening. 
And without having their hand held through that process, I mean, you know, I would hope better for people, but in a lot of cases, people just go right the other way. They're out of the gym. I, I, I can never stay in the shape. I don't believe it. I can't do it. I knew this was going to happen. And meanwhile, nothing bad is happening and all the good things are happening. Like, it, like Jane, if you keep doing this, your friends are all going to ask you how you got your tone arms. You know, if you just keep going. Yeah. So. And that's, and that's your, I, I, I say sometimes that, and I agree with what you said about like, sometimes just like, sometimes a coach is just the vehicle and sometimes it's okay that like, like, like your job is normalizing things sometimes and being that person in their life that affirms and validates and normalizes. And I'm not saying that you do that only. And they're not saying that you do that when that isn't the thing you should be doing, but I'm saying, God, that's such an important thing for coaches to understand is like not everybody you're dealing with. And I'd go as far as say most people you're dealing with don't have people in their lives who do this normalize, validate, affirm, and people that they view as subject matter experts of which the, that validation and affirmation means more um, yeah. when, when people get to, they, you know, they, they finish a fat loss phase and they're X pounds, like uh, just categorically, you're not remaining that much weight. Like this is, you're not getting no, no weight over the next year. This is no way. And Nor should you. in the way that I, the way that I usually see this, and, and I don't know <laughs> how far I would take this, but the, I firmly believe what I'm about to say is that mo in most cases, even if you do everything right and, in the context of quote doing everything right, transitioning back to maintenance calories, for getting back to and then by the way, let me just for the, go on the record here. Maintenance calories means means two things. One, it means an amount of calories in which your your body weight is stabilized, but it also is an amount of calories where you feel good. And if it's if you miss that second part, then the first part won't remain. You will not remain that body weight. You will. There are yeah. genetics that will push you over time back to a certain place. And so we need maintenance calories. Is a is has two. Uh, like necessary components. It's body weight is stable and you feel good. And I think what ends up happening is people at the end of a fat loss phase, the necessary or the gain, the weight that you will gain, it is an amount that you would never notice without the precision of the scale. And I find that that's sometimes so fascinating to me because, and it's not like, oh, you should get off the scale at this moment or everyone should. I've definitely have good experiences with that and times where that wasn't the best call, let's say. But the, the interesting thing is we're using such a precise tool that can measure down to the 10th of a pound, right? Um, and if you were to take away that tool, you'd have to decide, because what do we use the scale for? We use the scale to tell us if whether or not what we're doing is working. And if you, yeah. and it's a very precise tool, which is the benefit. That's the benefit. You know, we can identify like small victories, week to week averages of a half pound. Like you can identify that because it's a very precise tool. But the yeah. downside of it being so precise is is you're using it. It's like, what do people say the downside of tracking calories? People say when you track your calories, you lose touch with your hunger and satiety signaling. You, you start to eat sure. to a number instead of eat to a sensation, let's say. And it's the same yeah. for the way you think about your body. You are, there's a very big confounding variable about how you feel about your body. And the confounding variable is you know what you weigh. And if you mm -hmm. didn't know that you had gained two pounds, three pounds, a half pound, 0.7 pounds, four pounds, like you'd have to generate the answer to the question of how do I feel without that piece of information? And you might come to a completely different conclusion without that information. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people are just categorically very general statement, like giving a ton of power to an amount of pound for, to an amount of pounds that they would not, they would not even know about if not for the, the precision of the scale. And uh, yes. I just find that interesting. There are so many times with clients, especially at maintenance, when the goal is to have nothing happen anyway, where it's like yeah. you're putting yourself through hell through an amount of an amount of weight that you are only know that you only even know about. 
because of the precision of yeah. the scale. And if it was not there, you would have, you'd come to an entirely different conclusion based on how I feel, my energy levels, my lifestyle, my enjoyment with my, my fitness, you know, all of that stuff. Oh, and, yeah. and, and so I just feel like I'm not saying that when you track your calories, you lose all touch with satiety signaling. And I'm not saying when you weigh in, you lose all touch with every other input of how you feel, but I am saying it, it, it muddies the water a little bit. Absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think in a lot of cases, I, people just like have this idea that they're going to be, you know, like they look up who they want to look like their, their, you know, their, their aspiration in terms of their body goals or whatever. And that person is, you know, five, six, one thirty-five. So when I get to five, six, one thirty-five, you know, that's where I'm happy. Um, and that's, I mean, it's, it's, you talk to a client, if I talk to a client on a bad day, I, I go over and see what their body weight is. And I know that's the day where it's up. It's, um, it's, it's a 99.9% certainty. And, you know, these types of things are, uh, it's tough to get people away from that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the nuance of using that tool is, is, it's, you know, it's hard. It's important because I, you know, I was, if I'm, if I was trying to lose weight with a scale, I mean, I could do it, but like, I would, I would be confused, you know, like I would, I'd be like, uh, you know, I'd be in the dark, you know, it'd be guess it'd be a guessing game. And I, I, I don't know outside of having a lot of weight to lose, you know, but even then it's just like people don't know what they're doing. Like they don't have an intuition about, you know, am I eating the appropriate amounts? You know, it's almost like you need that feedback. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword where you, you got to use it, but like, you, you probably need some coaching with that thing or something. Yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword. I mean, it's an amazing tool and it's super helpful and it provides data. And then that data is like directly correlated with the goal that you have for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not, it's not your, it's not your only goal. So that's definitely a big hurdle. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where on a population level, we all have a better relationship with that number. But I think that one of the things that I do feel like if I, if I wanted to be a little bit less depressing about it and be a little bit more optimistic about it is that like something about like, we're in the glute era right now. We're in like the, like the booty gain era, heavy, heavy heavy booty gain era. And one thing I will say though, is that that is just, we're in the, we've, we're coming out of like the CrossFit era and I'm not saying CrossFit's not big, but it's not new anymore. And, and, and CrossFit athletes looking a certain way is not like this new thing. Everyone is aware of this now. So CrossFit chicks and the booty era are like coming back to back. And I think it has, it has shifted very gently the perspective again on a population level, not like obviously you're dealing with individuals here, but like very gently shifted the idea of like, Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe there's like, like that, that if I want either of these things, more muscle, like grow my glutes, like both of those are counter to weight loss. And so it, it is, uh, I think we're just very gently. It's been a good, it's been a good thing. I know some people are like, why are, why is everyone so obsessed with glutes? Why is everyone, okay, whatever. But you know what it is? It's putting a barbell in people's hands. It's having them lift heavier weights. It's having them, yeah. you know, get, reframe the idea of being a certain body weight or gaining or losing weight. And so I'm appreciative of that. For sure. Yeah, but the biggest problem we have is that people now want to do both at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now we have to reconcile that for sure. But it's probably a net positive yeah. outcome of like, oh yeah, like yeah. I, yeah. I can't be 100, 112 pounds with like, uh, you know, other, with yes. other than, you know, you, you fly down, get a, get a, some sort of surgery done, come back up here. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. 100%. Cool. We're coming up on the hour. I want to, I want to, uh, be respectful of your time. You've been super, it's been super duper fun. It was great to chat. You are a very insightful coach. I definitely think that. And so I appreciate, uh, you letting me kind of reread back some tweets, which I thought were fair. I didn't come, you know, we, yeah, we didn't I, do I, all I the racist that, ones. I'm just kidding. I'm, I, kidding. I think- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Everyone chill. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
That's all that. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's that's a great way to go about it. Thanks oh, for having me on, man. Nice, man. Uh, it's been it, good at finally doing this. Yep. Drop your drop all your stuff. Just like where you're most active these days, and how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, mostly uh, Instagram, Chad Hargrove one at Chad Hargrove one, um, and uh, hopefully more TikTok these days. Um, but uh, uh, that's about it for now. How you, how you doing on the talk? How's uh, how's how's mental health? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah, just oh man, it's. Uh, it's uh it's 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 a lot of this. you're big on I mean, you're big I'm, on tiktok I'm, no well i mean it, it, it's a big follower count but i i, I got a hundred thousand followers in one post which was a uh i don't know if you know dr ids dr yeah, ids yeah. or dr ids yeah yep. he uh i i like i do edit one of his posts which was it was like a psych out post so he was like he, he i've seen it went through yep. a bunch of bunch of myths and then and then so all the followers you get that because at the at the start of the post he goes follow me so I got a bunch of followers from it, but it was all people who believed the myths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. like, so it was like it was a bunch of followers that you didn't want. Yeah, that's um, kind of funny. But it's it's all. I mean, that's all. Yeah. Are we still recording right now? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. How honest can I be <laughs> yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. it's 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 all uh, it's all gotten harder these days. I think. I mean, just even just uh, Instagram's gotten. I mean, over the past couple months, I was like in and out last year, but. It's it's changed. I think TikTok's changed a little bit too. So, um, yep. the glory days are uh, <laughs> seemingly coming to an end or something. No, that is for damn sure. That's certainly true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, yeah. man. If you if yeah. you don't follow yeah. Chad, give him a follow. Definitely a good person that you'll uh, I'm he'll, you'll get a lot of those moments. You're like, oh, like he's definitely in my head. So I I like that a lot about your content. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.